Saludo mi gente. Welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery, the podcast where we deconstruct the illusion and unleash the fabulosity. I'm your host, Gohenna Angelique, your fierce neurodivergent Juyurican poet and an advocate for decolonial liberation. So get ready to dive into the messy, uncomfortable, and transformative work of dismantling the systems of oppression and the limiting beliefs that hold us back. We're here to reclaim our power, embrace our magic, and rise into fabulosity. So grab your cafe, your te, I don't know, maybe you need a shot, and let's get into some fuckery. Saludo mi gente, welcome to Dismantling the Fuckery podcast. This is your host, Kohenet Angelique, and I am glad to be doing this final installation on uh, the framework that I use throughout my being, ouch, just bang my shin, throughout my being um, and in my work, right? And so it's, it's, um, it's dynamic, it is living, it is not restrictive, it is not definitive, right? It is like these are the pieces in my particular, um, uh, I want to say, work in the world that I'm meant to hold space for. You know, we talked about healing the past, we talked about embodying the present, and liberating our future is really about looking at how our actions, how these massive um transformations and transmutations are meant to create the very thing that we're longing to fully inhabit as a collective, as a society. And there's no other, um, and this sounds very definitive, right? But there's no other uh, method except to recognize that every action is going to have an outcome, is perpetuating an idea, a way of being, a, a perspective of the world. And that if we're going to create change, then that is happening when we're healing the past, when we're embodying the present, and when we're liberating our future through the actions and commitments that we're making and taking. And that this is the way that we are going to transform the world, right? This is how we're going to transform um, our pain into agency, into power, into choice. Because what I find is that we spend time healing the past, right? We, we're all in that business, um, we are committed to embodying here or being here now, right? Where it's like learning to build, rebuild to me, um, because I, to me, we come, it's a factory setting, if you will, uh, to live multidimensionally and to experience, experience this world in a sensorial way. Um, and so to understand that in order for the, the future, whatever you're perceiving that to be, because I think once again, that the future is an operation and a languaging of linear time. Uh, our, our propensity to want to always order time as humans is uh, fascinating to me. <laughs> and I get it, right? Like we're always looking to take chaos and create shape and form out of it as, as creative beings. But the challenge is that they become static and stagnant and then begin to shift into an oppressive container in which one cannot 
uh, grow or change from, right? And it is not, um, this is not a one size fits all. Whatever our contracts and communal agreements are, they cannot be one size fits all um, because we're all unique expressions. And so when I'm looking at what is going to bring the world that we're dreaming of, the transformation that we're dreaming of into uh, a full experiential state for everybody, not just our own little worlds, it begins by finding the internal courage to understand that your conformity, your uh, complicity, um, your <laughs> your sense of security by having these anchors that don't change in which you fit in, right? Um, so I'm thinking about, uh, I'm going to use, I always pick on this because it's just an easy thing to pick on. When you're talking about careers and when you're talking about professionalism, right? There's this piece in that that is very, um, you know, when you hear folks be like, Oh, but this is, you know, this helps create order or this helps whatever. Um, or this is what you need to do because this is the world we live in, right? Like those things are actually belief systems that are being anchored into a stagnant container. They're, they're not allowed to change. So if you feel like you have to be duplicitous in your movement, forever, right? Because that's just the state of the world or the state of your career, whatever the case may be to earn money, right? We say that, we talk about these things. Um, then what's happening there is that you're compromising for that, right? Which again, this is not a judgment of survival and shit like that, but you're recognizing like, okay, these are the compromises I'm making in order to have access to this thing. I'm conforming and your conforming is actually going to continue to perpetuate the very thing that you think is in need of change. We cannot liberate the future if we're not willing to actually embody that change and embody those challenges. This is the idea of disrupting. This is the idea of dismantling. This is the idea of deconstructing, right? And I think that there's this piece, and at least in my observation in this years of working with this particular perspective, uh, praxis, if you will, um, is that I would find as I do anti-racism trainings and all of these things that I'm talking about, um, there's both like talking about the reality, the pain of, the limitation of, which is so important, right? This falls into like healing the past and embodying the present, um, being here now, but that people were unable to push against the system to... Um, to, to make mess, to disrupt because of what, what it means to be that person that's constantly questioning. And if you're this person, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause that's exactly what fucking happens. You get, you get tired of being that person that's always interrupting. And now everybody thinks you're that person. And then it turns into a fuckery where that turns into an identity of you either like it or you don't. So some people are just addicted to being disruptive with no, um, uh, using it just, you know, willy nilly, not necessarily as a strategy toward liberation. Um, and there's a, uh, an addictive quality to being in that constant, you know, I think of it as rebel rousing, right? Constantly, you know, pulling at everything without discernment, which I'm not a fan of. I have such a hard time with that stuff too, right? Because it's like one extreme. But then you have other folks that will not 
will not fucking, um, what is it, uh, stir the waters, will not, right? Because they live in this perpetual state that the negotiation is in order to have access or whatever, This, these are the conditions, this is the contract, and therefore I can't question it. I can't, um, you know, I don't want to be one of those people. It's a really interesting, <laughs> it's a really interesting um you know, perspective that sometimes people land on. They're like, I don't want to be the disruptor. I don't want the, I don't want the, the, um, the projection of that. I don't want the image of that, the identity of that. And so you become complicit in your silence and you become the cog in the wheel that continues to perpetuate the same structures of oppression. Again, there's no way for the world that we're imagining to come into existence unless we start living in that container, in that reality, in that story. And to me, the places and the ways that we do this is finding our own internal courage and finding our own bravery to disrupt our own relationship to this is what I have to do for this, or this is who I need to be for this, or this is how I need to be for this. Um, to be able to push yourself. And and I, as a person, um, have this I'm very good at that. I'm very good at creating disruption in my own life when I see that my attachment to a particular way of being or a particular perspective is is not not just like stagnant because it's just like safe, but that it just keeps me in a certain identity. It keeps me in a certain perspective. Um, because I can be, uh, I have a lot of, uh, this is a, a human design, quantum human design talk. Um, I have a lot of defined energy centers. And so my access to my knowing in many places of my own makeup is very clear. <laughs> um, my, my, uh, my experience has been the pain of actually uh, trying to deny that, to take on another way. Um and if you've you've heard me talk about this, where I'm like, you know, there are some things that are not in question for me. I'm not living with a question in it. I'm not, um, I'm clear about my relationship, right? My relationship. I don't, it's, I don't feel like it's a one for all, right? Unless we're talking about ethics, ethics is a different thing, but recognizing that I, you know, I may have um, a clear sight. And so to act like someone who doesn't is where I've, you know, because uh, this is like a kind of a squirrel, uh, but because of the impact that it's had on others for me to have a, a knowing that is secure has often led to people projecting. This is a profile thing as well. I'm a five one. Um, and so this is a, again, human design, quantum human design and a five, one profile is the heretic, um, and the, uh, oh man, give me one second, the heretic and the resource that's quantum human design language. I'm getting them confused, but that's okay. Um, and so what it means is that there's a part of me that loves to, you know, research and study and kind of like explore, um, uh, and not necessarily like explore in that way, but I love learning. I love glow. I do my homework. 
Um, and then there's the part of me that is meant to be part of deconstructing and disrupting the structures that keep us bound, right? That keep us in such small things. And so having these particular ways of being, I know that there's sometimes where I may have a, a perception, a thought or a self-concept that is limiting, not necessarily expansive, for who I am as a person. When I see that, when I see I'm so attached to this thing or so attached to that thing, I work on taking myself outside of that. I work on expanding and pushing my own um, limits in that way because I'm the one who set the limit, right? I'm the one who decided that this is the form and the shape. And so I'm like, well, let me check if this is true for me or if there's an opportunity for growth, and so this personal inquiry, this um, this place of asking myself these questions is how I'm looking at liberation and the tenets of liberation, right? Both internal, you know, personal, interpersonal and communal. And I'm saying, OK, what is my relationship to this? For example, if I'm a person who can easily um, fall into a structure or fall into an agenda or, uh, you know, a particular order or discipline, then I might not have a problem with something being, you know, ordered in a particular way or timed in a particular way. But someone who's not and who doesn't have that particular expression or doesn't feel needs more flow, needs more spaciousness, may be struggling with a particular modality. I think of this with learning, right? Like we learned about this in schools where we're like, oh, you know, some people are um, uh, kinesthetic, you know, some people are auditory, some people are visual. And we say, finally, final fuckingly in the school systems, right? Um, we're like, oh, we might want to shape education and information in a way that all these different learning styles can access. It's the same idea. Just because you may have a comfort in the way something may operate because you have a natural propensity toward it, that doesn't mean that it is freeing and liberating for everyone. And so you have to be able to ask yourself, where are, have you been in a comfortable position with the structures in our society that are actually oppressive to others? That are actually by and, and by far and large, you know, it's a broad stroke actually impacting others in a way that um, actually reduces access, um, creates limitations, uh, definitely speaks to very, uh, just to a certain type of people, right? And I'm not talking about like individual things. I'm talking about collective. I'm talking about society, right? We have to ask ourselves, where am I in relationship with this? How am I actually, um, you know, perpetuating oppression and ideology that is oppressive and restrictive and, um, you know, that has has been painted as a supremacy, whether it's intellectualization, whether it's spirituality, whatever the fuck it is, begin to ask yourself the questions about what is the quality of your relationship with those things and then the relationship of the world, the collective with that. 
And when you do that and you begin that personal thing, you learn that you yourself have to learn how to find the courage to disrupt something, uh, find the courage to begin to ask questions and be less worried about how you're going to be perceived as that person or et cetera, and find the strategies that allow you to communicate with integrity, not being like, oh, you know, I don't want it to land on people the wrong way and things like that. Here's what I want to say about that, because I think I think there's a validity to it. And I also think that it is a form of procrastination and scapegoatism. <laughs> That's even a thing, right? Where it's like you're using that as a way to keep you from having to risk the discomfort, risk uh, being perceived a particular way. So you want to check for that, right? Because there is such a thing as being uh, being strategic. There is such a thing as knowing the people you're talking to, but toward what end? What is the outcome of that? And I had this experience. I think I've shared this, but I'll share it again because I think it's important and, and a challenging and painful one. I was contracted to do contracted to do contracted contracted to do a. Um, uh, leadership anti-racism training for the board of a very large nonprofit, massive. Um, and one of the things I used, uh, very colorful, I used the word bullshit or something like that. And that shit set a five alarm fire. And um, someone from the HR department tried to tell me that I needed to know my audience. And while most people would probably agree with that praxis, right? Well, yeah, you do need to know your audience. You know, if you're getting paid for something, they're hiring you, then you have to know because you want to you want to win people over. Uh, 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 uh. You want to examine what the power dynamics are, what is actually happening, because the idea of not cursing, and we will use this as an example, and you may you may be the type of person who's like, well, no, I agree with that. And I'm going to ask you to hold your flowers because your agreement and your co-signing of it is actually because you've also been conditioned toward this end. I remember growing up and my family does have... Uh, <laughs> elements of pride and elements of like, you know, this is, this is what makes us who we are. You know, we, we're educated, we take, we work hard, all of that bullshit, right? That stuff. And that people who are proper, who have understood the assignment behave in a particular way. They're not a, um, it makes, I laugh at this because, well, one, uh, I am equally guilty in very uh, subliminal ways of teaching the same shit to my kids, right? And there's a place and a time depending on the outcome again, what's the motive, what's the intent of it, right? Where there's like you have proper behavior, what's okay, what's not okay, all of those things. Now, I'm not a fan of the word appropriate, but what we're trying to communicate is right timing and all of those things, and that's fine. But here's the problem. The problem with that is, is that the reason why the cursing is not allowed, although all I said was bullshit, they're lucky I didn't say fuck, um, is because of how 
this is classism. This is uh, right elitism. This is all the isms in a function and form that it says that people who use such language are actually crass. That crassness is inappropriate for you know upper class educated. If you take the time to look at the history of the language that we use around professionalism, around being ladylike, or around being appropriate, or around behaving, then you'd understand where this is coming from. It's classism. It's Victorian classism, as a matter of fact. Um, and so what tends to happen is how we view that is as one who is uneducated. Now, here we are, 2024. You and I both know that now, now, you know, we have books, I give zero fucks out. We have workshops now. We have all the shit, you know, we're, we're like, okay, wait a minute. That's kind of like bullshit, right? Um, and so what wound up happening is that they actually canceled the second session in this particular training. You know, I got the sermon. And while the the person from HR, who was a woman of color, was giving me this sermon, I clearly stated, do you realize that you're doing exactly you are doing exactly what the system wants you to do. Now you are being an agent, right? Like of oppression. Well, you know, we can say that it's her job. Ah, here's what I want to invite you to, because the point and the moral of the story is this. If you are unwilling to butt against, to to dismantle, deconstruct, disrupt what has been, both the idealism of it, the perception, the values that are skewed, unless you're willing to stand in relationship to that yourself, you're going to have a hard time fighting for equity and justice because you're going to make compromises that are going to cost all of us along the way. And that is why liberating the future is not about being there in the future. And that's when you're going to decide to take a stand. That's when you're going to decide to check your own relationship to classism, your own relationship to racism, your own relationship to that shit, right? Ableism, all of the things. Unless you're willing to embody that and break yourself out of that, you're just going to perpetuate the same thing and our future will not be liberated. Our future will be the fucking replica, as Einstein said, doing the same thing over and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. On the other side of that, the mind that created the problem can't be the same mind that solves the problem, Einstein as well, right? And if we understand that, then we have to understand that that begins with you. That begins with me. That begins with the actions that we're taking. That begins with the way we're moving in the world. And so the only thing I will give you or anybody else or even myself, right? This is like a collective you. The only thing I will give you is that, yes, if you are in a particular frame, in a particular container, you want to make sure you've done your homework so you know how to strategically dismantle. It's not always about... Um, you ripping somebody's head off. Well, that sounds very gra graphic, but that's what people are imagining when you have someone who is a disruptor, right? You're like, this person is always fill in the blank. Well, what do you, how do you think change is going to happen? Has the methodologies that we use so far produced a result? Or are we still talking about the same fucking thing over and over and expecting different results? Which to me, that's the, that's where we're at, right? Unless we're, and this is why we must count on the generations to come and the ones now, right? Like I'm in, I'm 48, I'm going to be 48. Wow. I keep on saying I'm 48. I'm going to be 48 next week. Right. And that's that realization that 
there is a particular way that my Gen X, my generation may move, you know, we're hybrids that may still perpetuate the shit. So I'm counting on the next generations to have a much more radical view. I'm counting on them for the courage to step into the next layer that my generation paved and the generation before us paved. Every generation is taking a chunk because change won't happen until we are at a mass collective tipping point of disruption in order to then remotely begin to dream of what's new. And this is where the uh, Pokalenu's uh, stages of decolonization became so important to me. Because I wanted to, I wanted to understand, I wanted to build a better relationship with the, the cycles of how we're moving, how we're remembering, how are we holding? When do we get to dream? And why is everybody skipping grief to dream when it is through the process of the deep level of grief we experience because of the products or the outcomes or the experiences, right? Like that grief moving through that thing allows you to come into the other side to actually be able to dream of something entirely fucking new. Otherwise, you're just doing the, if you're making small tweaks, baby, we will be here for millennia with the same shit. If you're like, well, you know, it's just one little thing. Ah, nah, that's not how that's going to work. If we don't begin to actually dismantle and deconstruct it entirely and imagine something entirely different that we're embodied in. So it's literally happening in the way you're building relationships and the way that you are building employment opportunities or the way that you are, you know, assuming your particular position in your workplace, your family, all of the things, all of your places of influence. If, if you're not creating change in those places, then they are just going to be the same and do the same. And so if you begin to embody liberation you're healing the past, you're looking at the patterns, you're observing what no longer is working because of what it is, what is the outcome, what does it give, what has it created, what what is it perpetuating. When you do that and you begin to heal that narrative and reconnect to the root of your own sovereignty, your own connection to the beauty of your lineage, the beauty of your expression, and then you embody in the now, you're like here now, you're not waiting for someone to create the thing and then the change to come later on. You are in it now. And when you are in environments that have the old record, the old script, you're able to navigate that strategically and with an enormous amount of wisdom because you're self-possessed and not like a little, I think of those little nesting dolls, not like, you know, ping-ponging all over the place because you haven't been deeply rooted yourself because you haven't been embodying the liberation yourself, right? When you're embodying it, you are in the practice of it. When you are in the practice of it, the practice teaches you to critically think and cr critically create strategies in order to move and create change in all of the environments you're a part of. So instead of being worried about being perceived as the, that person, which... You got some healing to do around that shit, <laughs> being that person, right? When you stop being worried about that, you can actually use your energy to focus on how can you authentically both inhabit your liberation and then everywhere you go, be a liberating access point. 
meaning you're the person that they call into meetings. You're the person that they want to talk to because your perspective is innovative. It's transformative. It's equitable. It's actually salute. It actually offers both, both depth of inhabitation and solutions, right? Like real time solutions, that are both using the energetic texture of a value and an ethic to create uh, opportunities, to create ways, to create methods of actually bringing about whatever the thing is, right? And I remember uh, an example of this is, you know, some people are like, I'm in meetings all days. Those meetings, you know, you don't have time for fill in the blank, for getting to know people much more deeply, all of those things. And I'm like, okay, that's bullshit because... One, I've explored with this, and it's possible in a small amount of time to create a deep connection with some, with a person, and from that place, begin to develop a relationship that's actually generative. It's possible to be in a meeting of 20 people and still create, and this is where you have iceberg, you have so much shit out there, so much shit in order to create the transformation that we're talking about, to create deeper connections between humans. And so when you're like, oh, I, you know, there's no time. No, baby, what you prioritize, we make time for. So having a five second check in to see where people are at, where their energy is at, how they're feeling, how they're all of the things is not going to cost you. It'll help your move, your meeting move much more, um, much more fluidly. And also you are actually creating generative connections with your team members, with your whatever whatever the situation is, right? And so that's a thing. Where have you bought into the idea that things are just as they are? Where are you hiding from embodying the liberation that you're hoping for, that you're wishing in this world? Because it's not outside of you right now. But if you are constantly having to compromise, constantly submitting to the way things have been and accepting that as the only way and the only reality and the only how you're going to have access, I want us to rethink that. I want us to really think about what we're thinking about and what we're choosing to believe because change will only come when each one of us fucking take the time to dive in deeply, to inhabit the liberation, to become to ask yourself questions about how you've been doing it, what's the belief behind that, and then what are the ways to bring about change and transformation? What is the belief inherently in something so that you can check it for integrity, check it for dignity, check it for equity? If the belief behind something, underneath something, the foundation of it, is crooked, it's skewed, it's only meant to benefit fill in the blank, then my friends, that is where the work begins, right? It begins there. And the only how that's going to happen is if we embody the very, what what is said, be the change you wish to see. You know why? Because you're the fucking vehicle for whether things stay the same or don't. That's the secret sauce. We are all the vehicles for perpetuating uh, the trauma, the oppression and the bullshit. Or, or disrupting it, dismantling it, and actually building a world in which we are all held with precious, equitable dignity. And that we're all resource and that we all have access. 
and that we don't have to make these negotiations anymore, that the only way I'm going to be able to be taken care of, loved, provided for, um, that I'm going to experience, I'm going to experience safety and security is by having to fucking sell my soul to the devil that continues to perpetuate the idea that there's no other alternative. Baby, the dreams of the worlds that you see happening with technology and all of these things have only happened because someone has dared to dream that there is an alternative, that there has to be another way and have had the courage to step forward and create that fucking way by being it, by exploring with it, by creating from that place. That is the shit that's changing the world. And that is what I invite us to when I say liberate our future is that it's fucking happening right now in the actions that you're taking, in the way you see the world, in the way you see liberation, the way you see healing, the way you see showing up in this world. And when you have stepped into the fullest expression of who you are as a person, and you are living aligned with your design, aligned with your capacity, aligned with your possibility. You are gifting us with a leadership that will actually fucking transform the world because each one teach one transforms everything. So I hope it's been helpful for me to talk about the framework that I use across my work, across all the pieces, even when I take on other modalities or when I'm exploring other pieces, I'm still holding it within this structure because I know that as a teacher, as a priestess, as someone who is committed to our liberation, I myself must inhabit and embody the very thing, the very possibility I'm speaking of, the very possibility well, I felt like I said worry, like, you know, um, Elmer Fudd. Anyway, um, back to our regularly scheduled uh, program, right? When we are able to really come from that place, there is nothing, to me, there's nothing more powerful than my own inhabitation because I understand that unless I'm doing this in my life, what the fuck am I, how am I going to, how can we talk? How do I do this? Right. And I'm thinking in this way, which, which is so fascinating to me, because in the way that I'm thinking, I'm like, OK, here, you know, when I look at my particular. Um, how do I want to name this? Right. Like my particular design where I have these my profile is the heretic and investigator. That's what I'm not explore investigator. Right. And I'm looking at this from this perspective of saying to myself, OK, Here's here's how I'm showing up. Here's what's possible in my own world, in my own language. Here is how this can be experienced for me, right? Where I'm like, all right, I look at this and I say, hey, because I'm taking the time to do my work, because I take the time to do my homework, the thing that I'm going to find, the thing that's going to feel most generative to me is finding my form, my way of doing it, right? And then stepping into this being a visionary leader and a resource. Now, this is quantum human design language. The investigator piece is resource and the heretic is the visionary leader. When I step into the fullness of that, understanding that this is what I'm here to do, how I embody, and that that has possibilities within. So no stagnancy here. No new label that is meant to like, I'm, this, I'm just defined by this. It's not that. It's recognizing the energetic textures available to me based on 
right? My unique design by the, you know, where the stars, the cosmos, all of the things were because time, place, all space, all of those things matter. I'm able to show up fully in my leadership and do this work with you and support you in this work of transformation, right? Because I've as a person, I've done my investigating. I've been with this. I've been in the moments where I've conceded, compromised, settled, have had to negotiate and navigate in order to have access to something. On the other side of that, I know the grief and the heartbreak of realizing that I've been part of the problem and not part of the solution because I've bought into. I know what it is to be exhausted, burnt out, beyond, right? Where everything gets foggy. I know what it is to be filled. So knowing, having these experiences, asking the questions, being willing to do my own investigating internally, my own dismantling and deconstructing to really look into and see where am I at in the season of my life? What am I committed to? Where am I not in my own integrity? Not your integrity, not your perception of it, my integrity. What's important? What do I value? Am I living it? Am I inhabiting it? This in turn impacts the teachings I share with you, how I come to this podcast and share what I share, my observations. This is what makes my coaching powerful and transformative. And that's not, that's not some sort of like, you know, hype, hype, <laughs> some empty hype. No, I'm positive that my work is transformative because I'm transformed by it. I'm positive about liberating our future happening right now as I deconstruct and I rise up in service to disrupt and to begin to ask questions and to begin to support people in thinking that there's an alternative way and that the alternative is worth the fight because this way has been killing us. I can step into that because I've been with it. And this is how you know, this is what, how sometimes people ask me, how do I come up with a, you know, a different way of doing thing? Or they're like, I really appreciate this. It's so different. If, if I didn't know that I could fill in the blank. And I'm like, right. If I had not decided and rose up with courage to ask the questions, to really look into, to examine, then I wouldn't have been able to show up and create something entirely different that is liberatory in its expression. That is literally liberating as it is happening, as it is, whether it's a workshop or a poem. But I'm able to do that because it's my practice. I'm deep in it. I inhabit it. I'm willing to go there. And now you get to benefit because how I show up is going to create the difference. How I am able to say that there's transformation is because I'm transformed by it. Not because I'm just like, people are like, oh, this is great. No, <laughs> yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. I love you for it. And this is my service. This is my devotion. This is my commitment to you, my fellow human, my fellow kin, that I'm going to show up to disrupt. I'm going to show up to expand. I'm going to show up first and foremost with myself and be in the same toil that I'm talking to you about and that I'm supporting you in. I'm not outside of it, right? I'm not uh, disconnected. It's not a theory. It's an inhabitation. And so I welcome you to priestessing liberation, dismantling the fuckery, right? And embracing our fabulosity. I welcome you to the space where we get to actually ask questions, actually live in and embody the alternative and not wait for some day. I don't want to wait 
for someday to live well and in alignment. It's now. Now we get to heal the past. Now I get to be and do all the remembering. Now I get to choose. And when I do that, I offer choice when you are with me. See that? And so welcome. I love you. I hope this is helpful. And stay tuned for the next episode because we about to get juicy in this motherfucker. So blessings to you and may your liberation be full of healing the past, embodying the present and liberating our future in a delicious dance of cycles and seasons in our lives. And uh, yeah, pa'lante y seguimos. So I love you and until next time. Bueno, mi gente, thank you for joining me on this wild and liberating journey of dismantling the fuckery. Remember... We are the architects of our own liberation. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share it with your people. Do all the things. You know what it takes for us to keep these frequencies rolling. Together, we will transform the world from a place of fuckery into a realm of unapologetic fabulosity. Stay fierce, my loves. Stay fabulous and keep dismantling. And if you want me or need me, yes, you heard me say that right, you know where to find me at priestessingliberation.com. Nos vemos ahorita. Adiós.